when I am doing my one-on-ones and I hear from them how beneficial that literature is to them, then I look at Ben and I, I say, you know what? <laughs> we, we have done some great things. We prevailed. We have just... Oh my gosh, this is going to be a fun one. Welcome back to Mastering Detail, a podcast masterclass covering everything you need to know about e-commerce brought to you by Flywheel Digital. I am your host, Emma Irwin, and I'm a senior editor and specialist at Flywheel Digital. This episode is our second episode in our Target Masterclass series, and we'll be covering content and the organic search algorithm, which means that our friend the PDP is making a comeback. If you haven't listened to our first episode yet covering Target and our launch of full service for this retailer, check that out so that you're fully in the loop. And of course, you should also listen to every single episode after this one, and maybe every single episode that has ever come before this one. All right, let's meet our content and search algorithm experts. Ben Zanton, business manager on retail enablement. So what that means is for the past six months, we've been finding insights about Target and trying to help clients succeed there. My name is Nikki Little. I'm also a business manager on the retail enablement team and echoing Ben, talking with clients, knowledging them on Target.com and making sure that we are executing to their appropriate satisfaction. Next up, I want to know the last thing that you purchased from Target. Ben, what is that for you? So the last thing I purchased from Target was actually, I got some new decor for my apartment and I was going to hang it up, but I realized I was low on nails. So a friend of mine actually gave me a recommendation of a specific set of nails and wire to get from Target. And it was nice because I was able to get there, buy ahead and pick up in store. So just walk right in, walk right out. Perfect. That's a very specific recommendation, yeah, like a, a specific nail and wire to hang something. Yeah, well, she actually has a background with art, so I thought she was a good person to ask. That is actually a really good... Okay, Nikki, what about you for the last thing you purchased? The last thing I purchased was a whole bunch of July 4th decor for a party. Very nice. What was the? What was your favorite piece of decor that you purchased? I got like a whole bunch of streamers and uh, inflatable, a big eagle of 4th of July and it like stood in the middle of the grass and like welcomed all of my guests. How big was this eagle? It was huge. <laughs> life it was size. so cute. Wow. It was life size. It was like huge. Wow. All right. <laughs> who, who knew they had that at Target? I didn't know, but all right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected like a life size eagle <laughs> stick in the ground sort of thing at Target either, but I love it. Bald eagles are cool animals. Okay. Next up is Digital Wishlist, which now Ben already knows what is coming his way. But you get the whole entire episode to think about it. So Digital Wishlist, it just means something that like lives in a cart of yours online, in an app, etc. But it's something that you won't actually purchase. And so don't say it yet because we'll finish it. at We'll finish the episode with that. Think about it and then we'll get into why it's something that you don't actually purchase opposite of the eagle and the nails and wire. So Ben and Nikki have been working diligently to understand content and organic search on Target.com. But first they figured that we should probably get an overview of content and its importance for this retailer because we spent a lot of time digging into the importance of content across other retailers. And as a teeny spoiler, your content significantly impacts the search algorithm. Let's hear from Nikki for her overview of content on Target.com and what she has found. 
All right. So for the last seven months, we have been navigating down this tunnel vision of just Target.com. In regards to Target content and search insights, I think that we've come up with a few key points in regards to sharing with clients from taking them from point A to point B. But one of the things I want to touch base on, and then I'll let Ben put in his two cents, is that I think a lot of people don't really understand or grasp the fact that 95% of Target sales are actually coming or being fulfilled from in-store inventory, okay? So the one thing is that what we're doing on our end is analyzing that data across multiple zip codes, which I think that clients are unaware of what's going on region by region, and that plays a significant part of understanding the baseline of where their business is today. Ben, do you want to jump in and talk about the shoppers themselves and how they're shopping? Sure. Well, on Target, there are are a number of different ways to shop where just on the search results page, you can do the typical like search and find, or you can just make a list. There's the options to buy directly from the search page without ever going to an actual product page. So with that being said, the target title is going to be especially important in the target hero image and image number two, which you'd actually see and scroll over on desktop, just from the search results page are going to be especially important because a lot of people can end up buying without ever actually going to a product page. So I think it's interesting because Nikki and I actually both came from Flywheel Content Studio. So we actually both have years of experience working on target product page copy. That's where you guys came from. Okay, this makes sense. (laughs) That is, right. So we came in with a baseline understanding of a lot of the key elements of what makes a good product detail page on target. But what we've been able to find with just doing testing and analysis for six months on this team is a lot of the things like Nikki was saying about, you know, how inventory is fulfilled that really go beyond just what are the content best practices, but to just what are the overall retail best practices to really provide that full service. And of course, now that you know a bit more about content on Target.com and a bit more about Target.com shoppers, let's get into none other than the PDP. Obviously, the PDP on Target.com looks different from that of Walmart or Amazon, but there's plenty of uniqueness to be had. Let's have Ben tell us a little bit more about the Target product detail page. So a few things that are going to be different about it versus Walmart. Um, number one, Target does not typically allow detached text in their hero images. So what does that mean? That means that if you're looking at text that's going to be on the package, like if you're selling a package of crackers, let's say, and it says crackers on the package, of course that's going to be allowed because it's on the package. But if you have crackers in that separate either Cambridge banner or in just separate detached text that might be a, our best practice on some other retailers, that's typically not allowed on Target. So We look to find ways to optimize your images without doing that detached text. Then also on Target, we see that, I think Corey covered this a little bit in general podcast introducing this team, but badges on Target are a pretty unique thing that show the consumer. There are a bunch of different categories of badges, but they show the consumer different key features of the product that they might care about. And that can definitely help with conversion and also reflect the attribution. Where are the badges? Show? Is that like a badge in search, kind of like the Amazon's choice flag or on the actual PDP? So it's on the actual PDP and it's in the specification section where you can scroll down. There's some colorful badges that Target calls their wellness badges. And then there are some other badges that might be in black and white, depending on the category that are based on attributes. There are either some smaller um, categories as well, like diversity badges and um, et cetera. 
I know Nikki has also had some interesting experience with some cool other target shopping features, like they have the option to see it in your space or to use, um, there's a feature called virtual try-on that I know Nikki has played around with. Yeah, so the virtual try-on gives the consumer the opportunity to sit at home in the privacy of whatever space they're in and pick and choose, let's just say in the beauty category, what eyeshadow, lipstick, mascara that they want to use. And what we've noticed is that consumers are feeling more confident in the purchase online rather than having to go into the store because they have this opportunity to try on behind closed doors. So that's one feature. One of the other things I want to touch on is that when we're looking on the PDP page and we're combing through the specifics of what really should be standing out, we know that the title is going to be a harder thing to change based off of target parameters. However, we do also know that the image carousel has to stand out and share that story narrative to grab the consumer's attention. But the one thing I want to share is I want to talk about keywords and how these keywords play a very significant part in regards to grabbing consumers' attention Uh, search, and then ideally conversion. And what that is, is that we have these two concepts. You have this keyword diversity over your keyword density. And so I'm going to throw out a, a percentage because I think this is a wow factor that everyone should be aware of. And that is products have a 56% increase in page one presence for keywords that are being used in the title, description, and bullets. And if I simplify that one more notch down, What I'm saying is that you don't have to have the density of the number of keywords being utilized throughout the copy, but the diversity of the keywords that are being utilized. And I think that that's a little bit of a shock to most clients because in their mind, they're thinking, well, if I'm on Walmart and Amazon, I need to make sure that I have the most keywords being created and visually impacted on the PDP page. But in reality, I mean, the stats are the stats, 56%. So point being is that we've come a far way of saying, okay, on Target.com, there are significant differences besides what's being done on Walmart.com and Amazon. And clients need to be able to understand and utilize those differences. If I could build on that real quick with keyword diversity versus keyword density. So we were not at all surprised to find that keywords that were used in the product copy made it more likely to get on page one. I mean, that's what we would expect. That's the basic logic of the content best practices that we do across the board. But we were looking at if we're using keywords multiple times, are they more likely to get on page one? Are they just a little bit more likely to get page one or are they not more likely to get on page one? And so we definitely don't think that it hurts to use keywords multiple times, but in our testing, the keywords were only a little bit more likely to be on page one or not more likely to be on page one at all than that 56% feature or 56% stat if they were only used once. So that's why we'd be focusing more on keyword diversity as opposed to on some other retailers. It might be more important to use keywords multiple times because you're going to get a big advantage from it. On target, it doesn't seem like you do. Interesting. Well, there's one more layer. Oh, of course. Emma, there's one last layer. (laughs) And that is product attributes and how that drives search results, even if it's not relative to the content that's being produced. And I think that we have recognized that the more attributes that are provided, there's a more likelihood that they will be on page one and have a higher online penetration. 
Ah, uh, attributes. Allow me to jump in because, as you'll learn, attributes are incredibly critical for success on Target.com. But if your brain immediately went to media and sales attribution, this is why I'm here because that is not what they're talking about. Ben's going to tell us about what we actually mean by attribution in the content world of Target. So on Target, like on a lot of different retailers, there are attributes that you can see actually near the badges in the specification section. And there are actually some attributes that don't display on the page, but still will impact search. And then there's some attributes that both display on the page and impact search. So we know that attributes are going to be relevant to a lot of consumers where people might be curious, like if they have, let's say, a dietary restriction and they're looking at some food, is that food gluten-free or is that food kosher, let's say, as an example. But in other cases, someone might not be looking at the attributes, but we found evidence pretty early on that the attributes are impacting search, even if they're not necessarily impacting conversion for every single consumer, even though we think conversion is going to be important. What we initially did was some testing just to find that for attribute values that are not likely to be used in the content, like attributes that are pretty distinctive, are those going to be showing up in searches for those attribute type values? And what we found is that the items that were showing up on page one, even when they didn't have those attributes in their written copy, because it was unlikely that they would, then they were still showing up on page one if they had those attributes. So that was what we found as the baseline for attributes being important. But we've been able to actually implement attribute optimization for a number of our clients. And we found that having relevant attributes makes them more likely to be on page one for relevant keywords. And ultimately, items with more total attributes tend to sell better online and have a better online penetration. The algo senses it immediately and the, the changes become live on PDP within five minutes of the change. It's amazing the lift we've seen with our clients in such a short amount of time that with such an easy fix, what the immediate results can be. And I think that's a really good point, too, because for the typical target product page updates, like with copy, you're typically pushing it through a syndicator like uh, Salsify or Syndigo. And those typically will go live pretty quickly, but you can't always guarantee it. You might need to submit some tickets for images that actually has a review process by target. So that can take a little bit longer. And then with attribution, we can do it actually through a syndicator with mapping out those attributes, or we can do it directly in the target portal. But if we do it directly in the target portal, we do see it go live to Nikki's point really immediately. Have you found any categories where like attributes are more important than others? Like I would feel like food and like supplements, those would have even more fields to fill out or... Yeah, the beauty category is pretty dense. And what we're realizing in that specific category that clients think that they are adding values that are geared across the board, but they don't understand in beauty there's specific nuances that can be picked that will create additional search opportunity. So I'll give you an example. Let's say uh, for hair dye, we pick all hair types as the option. But in reality, they're going to get more of a lift if they put it for fine hair, oily hair, curly hair, textured hair. And so the client sits back and kind of has an aha moment. Well, I didn't think about that. Well, that's why you have us. <laughs> <laughs> it's those small tweaks that we've seen huge impacts. Kind of curious, like... So that's on Target's back end that it's going to have something like fine, oily, like that is very 
narrow down. Very specific. So I guess like kudos to Target because sometimes I'm setting up new products on Amazon and like I can't get specific enough into an attribute to do it like 100% correct. The other part is that, Emma, you have the opportunity to put in a ticket to request a field to be added or a header to be added or additional values that aren't currently on there as long as you have a story to share of the reason why you want it to be added. And the, the one thing I'll share is Target.com and, and their service and their, where you put your tickets in, they quickly respond. So you're not waiting days and weeks. I mean, they're getting back to you within 24 hours to your request or at least finding out the answer to the question and following up. That's cool. One other thing I would add, I think that was a really good point. We're really excited about the fact that we are able to fill in those attribute gaps when we find them on Target. And it, you know, that does require working with Target, but that team's been really good to work with so far. I would also add that in some of the categories, like Nikki is mentioning beauty, there are some of those categories that have badges that are based on the attributes. So it can have potentially more of a conversion effect versus other categories don't have badges based on the attributes, but it still is going to have a search effect regardless. We also see, of course, there's some categories that just have more total attributes and more total attributes that are going to be relevant to keywords. So just as an example, we've seen a lot of a search lift for coffee creamers if we're able to add in different milk types they didn't necessarily have because that's a lot of search volume is around specific milk types of coffee creamers. Oat milk. (laughs) No, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I'm honestly, I'm the same way. But if in some other categories, some of the attributes, it's not going to be quite as big a search lift, but it still potentially can help them with some conversion or a small search lift. Perfect. When we're talking about content on target.com and you both have worked on retailers who are not target. Have you found that Target is any more strict with con I'm gonna get yelled at for that. Have you found that Target is any more like strict with content requirements or it plays more of an importance when it comes to the search algorithm? I'm thinking about like the Walmart content quality score that we hear so much about. So we know that the the content uh, quality score for Target.com, I think the the normal average is eighty percent across the board. It's probably relevant to some degree. However, the specific nuances that actually provide the lip to the quality score, I think differs highly between Walmart and Amazon. So I'll give you an example. For Walmart, we know that copy has to be a certain number of characters that are being used within the description or they're dinged. Whereas Target, on the other hand, yeah, your copy should be robust and dense and have all the specifics. But that's not really what's what's moving the algo. The algo, again, as Ben said earlier, is what is really playing into the search and the conversion. And that's when we fall back again on badges, attribution, keyword diversity versus density. It's those things that are actually pushing the dial more than what the actual score is. Also, and Ben, you could probably talk about this, but the syn- the actual health score is based off of what Syndigo is providing to the marketplace. Am I correct for Target.com? Yeah, so Target's content health scorecard is generated by Syndigo. It's shared over partners online with the Target portal to um, their users. And to Nikki's point, it, the Target buyers definitely care about the content health scorecard. And, you know, we care about the content health scorecard and definitely want to make sure that it's in a good place. Um, But we don't think it's going to be, to Nikki's point, 
quite as directly impactful to search as on some retailers. Like on Walmart, that content quality score is going to be incredibly impactful to how are you ranking on the page. The algo is directly factoring it in. Target, I think it is more of just a metric of how is your content generally? Is it good or is it bad? Or is it somewhere in the middle? As opposed to, you know, is it directly going to be influencing the ranking the same way? But there are a lot of pieces of the content quality or the content health scorecard that, you know, are going to be relevant to brands. Like, for instance, they have videos as part of their content health scorecard, which is not the case on every retailer. So we can make sure that clients of ours have videos. That's something that Flywheel can definitely generate. And they even have brand interaction as part of it, whether questions are answered in a timely manner. And they even have label information reviews as part of it. But also to Nikki's point, even to the extent that it does impact the search algorithm, there are some parts of it that are not going to be impacted more or less if the content is a little bit better, a little bit less, or a little bit worse. Just as an example, video is part of the content health scorecard, but it doesn't factor in what type of video it is. So we see some brands that just have a very general video, like a brand level video, and other brands that have a really strong product level video. And a product level video is probably going to convert a lot better than a brand level video. So that's the kind of insight that is not going to actually help you score better, but it should help you actually sell better. I've seen like PDPs where they just have, you can tell it's just now that I know how to upload a video on the back end of like Amazon, because that's what I know. But same concept where it's just like you have like a general brand video that brand is like, hey, just put this on every ace. And so we have a video and I'm like, hey, if I need... Like, for example, I don't use collagen, but that's what came to my mind is like a very specific collagen. And then you do like your general brand video and it's like vitamins. It's like, that's not helpful. That's not helping me. And there's also one other thing I would say about videos real quick on Target, too, is that because Target does not allow that detached text on its images, videos can be a way to include text in a way that you can include on the rest of your images. If you essentially just have an animated together a video of those different images. And that might not be the very most premium approach, but for a brand that's looking for a slightly smaller investment, but still a way to convert with consumers by giving them a lot of useful information, that can be a really good way to do it. I think it also adds a closing to the narrative for a consumer after looking through the image carousel. Dang, was that enough about content attribution and the PDP on target.com, which all ties into the search algorithm? If not, I can always connect you with Nikki and Ben, but we have a schedule here to stick to and we need to finish up with the search algorithm. So I asked both of them about how they've come to know so much about it. Yeah, so we've had the chance over the last, well, really since the beginning of this year to just run a lot of different tests. And obviously some of them don't end up showing us conclusions that are all that interesting, but it's still valuable to try. And then some of them have shown us some really interesting conclusions. So we've been able to actually go from there to executing for clients. I think also we have now a strong foundation of where to start with a prospect or a client. And then we're still navigating unforeseen circumstances on Target.com. But I will share that we are the expert at Target.com. And with any retailer, it's ever-changing. But we have a good pulse on where we're at today. And one thing I would add just to build off that too is that when we were just getting started, Target's own documentation was incredibly helpful. Like they've it's been really valuable to use the documentation that they have in Partners Online. So we're definitely looking forward to continuing to work with Target, but it's been really valuable the knowledge they've had to share. Something I think a lot about in e-commerce is search versus navigational browsing. 
I might have invented the term navigational browsing, but what I mean by that is that you go to a retailer's site and browse your way through different product categories rather than search for specific products or categories and then scroll through the results. In our Amazon and Walmart masterclass seasons, we learned that these sites are heavily dominated by search, although Walmart's site is pretty well set up for navigational browsing when compared to Amazon. What does that balance look like on Target? I think it's a little bit more of a mix than on Amazon or Walmart. I know, you know, one thing that Corey and Zach have talked about is how much Target curates its product set. And I think with that, it leads a little bit more to the attribute-based navigation because you know that the thing you're looking for is going to be a little bit more relevant. Like when we were talking about the, you know, nails and wire that I purchased, if I just looked for nails and wire on Amazon or even on Walmart, there are just going to be so, so many results that certainly I can find something that's useful. But if I'm looking for the very best thing, it's a little bit harder to find it just by sorting. But on Target, you sometimes can find the very best thing just by sorting. So I think that search is always going to be incredibly important on any retailer we work on and Target very much in is included in that. But the attributes also are important because the attribute-based navigation is going to be especially relevant on Target. And that wraps up our conversation discussing content and organic search on Target.com. But of course, we have to finish with the digital wish list. Something on your digital wish list that you just won't purchase and why, and it can't be on the counter ice machine. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good because I was not in the market for an over-the-counter ice machine. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I have been thinking for a couple of years about potentially buying a rug. And rugs are interesting because from the lowest end rugs to the highest end rugs, you're talking about pretty cheap to thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah so I know. So the main reason that I haven't purchased a rug is that I haven't found one that I'm confident is nice enough to be worth it, but not way too expensive to be worth it. I have to jump in. Sure. Target's rugs are the best. Well, honestly, I think that if I do end up buying one, it'll probably be this winter when it gets cool again. And Target is honestly more of my look. That's another one where I have to always buy the cheapest, might as well be plastic version because my dogs ruin all my rugs. <laughs> well, that's fair. I mean, that's a benefit. I'll, I'll definitely have a dog in the future, though. So I'm, if I'm thinking about a rug over a longer term period. Then you don't want the $4,000 rug. That is probably, you'll be real don't. sad. Yeah. <laughs> but for the amount of money you spent, I think you get a really decent quality. So Not even me. if you were going to change it out every six months because Emma's dogs decided to be <laughs> everywhere, you'd still be winning at the end. Won't be inviting Emma's dogs over to my apartment. I was going to say, you want to watch them the next time I travel. Oh, okay. Nikki, what about you? I have like four or five barbecue pits. Okay. And different types of barbecue. So, you know, now you have the Blackstone, then you have your traditional. And I have not pulled the plug because I am a person that loves deals. And I have been now, we're in Target deal days the week, right? These next few days. And I have just been waiting to pull the trigger. You're running out of days. I am really running out of it. And it's because that part is because I'm undecisive on which direction to go. But they've been sitting in this cart for about four months. <laughs> four months isn't the worst amount of time I've ever heard. Some yeah. of mine are worse. So perfect. Just adding to the, I love it. <laughs> adding to the random things that people need to buy. Content and organic search on target.com mastered except you can always learn more and never truly master e-commerce a key principle of mastering me but we got a ton of great info in that episode so thank you to nikki and ben for their joyous presentation of the content be sure to continue listening to the rest of the season for the full target.com picture 
And of course, share this episode with your network if you found this information useful. This episode was produced by Klaus Cancel and Enos Tenji. See you next time.